All right, we are officially recording, Mr. Martin, Director of the Public Works Department of the City of Keene. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you wear a lot of hats. We were just kind of talking about that. Um, I don't under I don't think people understand the significance of what the Public Works Department does. Okay. So it's very again. I, when we first jumped into this conversation, when I when I found out I was going to be having you on the podcast, I was excited because you know there's a lot of spotlight on some of the other departments on how on keeping the uh, city running. True. And, you know, and it's very important. Um, but I think people forget that without public works, there would be no city. This is true. So. Let's talk about that. Why would there be technically no city? Why would the city not run without you? Uh, the big part of it is everybody needs water. I was listening to the mayor's podcast and when we had the issues uh, during the winter storm mm-hmm. with the water and, you know, how everybody's just, hey, turn the faucet. There it is. Well, mm-hmm. there's a lot more to that. Sweet. Let's talk um, about it. Let's break that down. Okay. Um, basically, the, the water comes from aquifers. We have six, six seven wells. One What's is, that an aquifer? Uh, the river underground, basically oh. river, lake underground. Okay. Um, so we have wells They range anywhere from uh, 900 feet to 1800 feet deep. Uh, those wells pump the water out through chemical process. We treat the water and store it in storage tanks. And then it gets pumped from those storage tanks into the elevated storage tanks. And that's what gives you your water pressure throughout the city, those elevated storage tanks. So there's a lot to that system itself. Uh, that is pretty much automated, um, kind of runs itself. We have to do some minor tweaking here and there because of temperature change. You know, uh, during the summer, it, it, it tends to eat the chlorine up a lot faster. Hmm. Uh, we we uh, treat the water with uh, gas, chlorine, and liquid ammonia sulfate. So you got to get that in balance just right. It can't be too high. It can't be too low. You can't have too much of one or not enough of the other. So it's a constant. Do you guys regularly test that? Oh, daily. Yeah. Every day, 24 hours <laughs> every day, 365 days a year gets tested. And then we test uh, quarterly, weekly. We do go around to about seven or eight different sites throughout the city and test that water again. We test that for free ammonia, total chlorine, monochloramines. Hmm. Um, it goes into that. And then- uh, Have you guys ever had like a uh, like a puckering moment where you're like, eee, this is off, what do we do type of thing? There, There is, there's a few of those where <coughs> a, a, a chemical feed pump failed. We didn't mm. know about it, you know, for 24 hours. So we came back the next day and then, you know, that's, that's all we tested daily. So, you know, we have that, we try to do it at the same time every day. That way you have a good, solid set line to test on um you know weekends to holidays or everything mm-hmm. somebody's got to go do that so we're out there um we that's, something I, that's something i never think about right that's interesting so it takes quite a bit to handle that aspect of it. and then you know once the water goes through the home uh it's used for toilets showers whatever then we get it again. We get mm-hmm. it back. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> right. And it goes into our, our sewer system, our sewer collection system. Some of it is uh, old, been there over 100 years. Um, really? we, were, we were actually digging up a, 
uh, a sewer line that they had replaced from the house to the street. The street had a new sewer main put in 10 years ago. So they got it out of clay and they made it from clay into PVC, but they didn't replace from the main line to behind the curb where the customer connects. Sounds like my parents' house right now. Right. They so, live in Keene. <laughs> so we had, uh, I think it was on Fairview Street. So we started digging it up saying, well, there's got to be an issue somewhere between the street, you know, which once it gets into the street, then it's our responsibility. So we dug it up and all of a sudden I'm looking in the ground going, what is that? It looked like a tree root where the sewer line was supposed to be well it was actually i can't remember the name it was a city in new york that named this particular type of pipe but it was made of wood pulp infused with tar and fibers and what? that's what the sewer line was made out of and it had been in the ground that long wow that's wild <laughs> so so i know like with my tree roots here because this is a 130 year old house right and we have clay pipes as well it mm. goes to the main street right um every every year sometimes twice a year i do have to put that tree root killer correct is there something that you do to treat tree roots for the main? We yes, we have a, a chemical that we buy, and it's very expensive. It's for a fifty-pound pail, it's a thousand dollars, a little over a thousand dollars. And depending on the size of the main line, you would put one cup per inch of pipe diameter. Oh my gosh! So you're talking six, seven, eight, nine, ten cups out of that fifty-pound. It doesn't last very long, but it's supposed to treat four or five hundred feet, kill the roots only four or five feet in the sewer line and then out of the sewer line oh, so okay. it's not going to kill the tree yeah yeah it was that's what just that one said. yeah that just that one section correct that's be in there. yeah just the kind of the feeder roots but uh, when we get to the dry time of year and the ground is dried out we haven't had rain in weeks or sometimes even months that those tree roots they seek water hmm. and if you have a clay tile pipe and it has a tiny little crack that tree knows, hey, there's water there, and it'll actually break apart that clay pipe trying to find water. A lot of chemistries that I'm seeing in this. There is, yeah. So there's a lot of classes. Um, you know, not only do we have to take classes, and um, even even the people that are just starting out, their first year they can work under somebody else's water or sewer license. And then within that first year, they're supposed to get their, what they call a D license, whether it be water or sewer. Um, and then for, that's good for three years. And then with, you have to have three years of experience before you can move up to the next level where you actually have the operator's license. Oh, wow. So there's a lot. Okay. So can you put that into perspective on what that would look like, say, if you're taking a college course or like the type, the type of education that you're getting? Usually you have to have the what they call the basic water class four, and that's uh, 20 hours, 20 hours of classroom time just to get your D license. Which is the bare minimum. Right. This is the bare minimum. And then you move into, you have to take a, whether you're going to be surface water production or groundwater production, which will be wells. Well, we have mostly groundwater. We do purchase surface water, but it's already treated when we get it. So we need to have groundwater licenses. So you have to have three years of infield experience after your D license. And then you have to take another 20 hour course, which is groundwater production. And then you have one elective, which is another 20 hour course. It could be chemical feed. It could be pumps and motors or calculations or chemistry, or wow. there's a bunch of different options. And then every, that license is good for three years. And then, but then you have to, within that three years, you have to take another X amount of 20 hour courses to, 
continuing Jeez. education. <laughs> Again, very good to come on the show because people don't realize how in-depth the public works department really is. And then all the roles that go under there, because you're the director, but you Correct. said you have seven people under you? Right now, that's about where I'm at. A total, I'm uh, <clears throat> scheduled for, I think, 10 altogether, but we have two openings. I have, you know, this week I have one on vacation and one out on family medical leave. So that makes it even tougher. So we have a sewer treatment plant that takes two two people to operate. We have a, uh, what we call a meter reader. Um, mm -hmm. So they're basically the ones that go out and do, hey, somebody's moving in, moving out, turn the water on, turn the water off, or look for leaks or fix their curb stop or fix their meter box. So that person stays pretty busy. Um, and then with Texas 811 locates, which is a state law that if you go to dig, whether it be putting a fence or a sewer or water or gas or other utility in the line, even playing a tree, you're supposed to call 811 to locate all the utilities so you don't damage them. Hmm. So we get 10 or 12 of those a day to go out and have to locate, mark, paint on the ground, flag on the ground, where our water and sewer lines aren't so they don't get damaged. Okay. So that, that takes a lot of manpower. Um, and then just some other basic stuff is uh, we have about 24, 2,500 water connections. So that's 2,500 meters in the ground. 95, 96% are digital. They read remotely. So we have about 100, 150, depending on the weather, rain, dirt, uh, things like that, that we have to go out and read manually. Mm -hmm. So we have to do that. It usually takes an entire week to do 150 of those with that one person. That way we can get the billing and read the meters manually and, and things of that nature. So that takes that one person a week away from me. Then, unfortunately, we have some people that are, you know, especially this time, you know, with the pandemic and everything that uh, have a hard time paying their water bills. So mm. we have to go shut them off. So mm. it ranges tough. from 40 to 90 a month we have to do. So that's another week that that takes yeah. that person. So that one person is supposed to be reading meters and doing minor stuff. Jeez. I get them two weeks basically to do the everyday stuff. And that's all under the umbrella of the public works department. Correct. Wow. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about uh, the significance and importance of water. We forget how easy it is to just not have. I don't, I don't know if you've ever traveled to other countries or, you know, been to third world countries. I don't know where you are at that, but I love, I've been to Africa, uh, Nigeria specifically, and Nicaragua multiple times. And this running water <laughs> is not there, right? Right. Um, the cleanliness is it just, we take it for, uh, uh, what have advantage take advantage of that yes lost, lost my words took it took advantage take advantage of it specifically with with cities like cleburne or Keene, um where we just expect it to come out so whenever a freeze happens and then it doesn't come out everybody loses their mind right so we're coming up on winter months um we it seems like we've learned a lot uh, from what the mayor was telling me from the last freeze that occurred right um what are you guys doing to kind of quell some of those fears that this might happen again mm -hmm. or with another freeze or whatever well we were able to get one of our big producing wells back online and right that was after that and that wasn't working it, uh during the freeze last night correct that okay. that particular well had been down for five years okay. it had to, i mean we spent a couple hundred thousand dollars on rebuilding the pump room on that okay so was that like an emergency supply or something um no but i mean what the it just we were able to get by no problems until we had major issues like mm -hmm. that, where uh, unfortunately we have two wells that are in, kind of in the older part of town. So whenever it gets really hot and everybody's running their AC and they get home from dinner, they're they got electricity, they're running, you know, they're cooking, they're cleaning, they're taking showers. 
it sometimes interrupts the power flow to my wells. So they may shut off for a short period of time because they have an overload or an underload protection on them. So they don't burn up, Uh Hmm. you know, and that well, sometimes it run 24 hours a day. We try to not do that. We try to, you know, again, monitor it and get it to run maybe eight, 10, 12 hours a day. Um, A little bit of a breather. Right. By moving water around and switching tanks on and off and things of that nature. So, but we do have two areas in town that whenever we get really cold or really hot, that we have some issues and we can make some minor adjustments. But if we make too much of an adjustment to that safety precaution, we could burn that pump and motor up. And you're talking forty, fifty thousand dollars just to pull it out of the ground, put a new pump and motor and put it back in the ground because they're eighteen hundred feet deep. Mm, is there a chance that the, any of those pumps can freeze over if we get another freeze like that? Um, not the ones that are in the ground. Okay. Um, so every year we've always taken precautions on our wellheads. The water basically comes out of the ground, it comes up out of the ground a couple of feet, goes through a meter, and that's where the chemical is injected into it. Then it goes back underground and into the storage tank. So we always prepare by insulating those really good in the winter months um and we did that um it got a lot colder (laughs) than we thought and it lasted a lot longer we actually went out after the first day or two and we never actually had our pumps or lines or motors freeze at the beginning of this whole incident the problem we were having was our float indicator it's it's digital it works by pressure um, those gauges were freezing, even though we had those insulated. So it was given a false signal saying that tank was either full or empty mm. when, it, when I know it wasn't. Mm. So we were going out one, two, three, four in the morning, having to heat those, pull the insulation off, heat them up, re-insulate them just to get it to read right. So wow. it was, it was, a. it was, is there a, a way to heat it manually? I mean, not manually, but like. You know, not where you have to go out there at two o'clock in the morning. This year we've, we've moved to, um, and we've added a couple of electrical outlets to the outside, which we didn't have before because they're at like the base of the towers or the base of the tanks and use them like kind of like an electric blanket. And it's a, what oh, okay. they call heat tape. So they're plugged in. So hopefully oh, okay. that'll help. I mean, we even went out and re-insulated, double insulated, built little <laughs> dog houses, I guess you would call them around these things. Yeah. But still, I mean, just with that cold wind, it, mm. was, it was tough. Well, even just what you've done since the last freeze and keeping it away from, you know, immediate exposure to the elements is, is big. Right. And then the heat tape, that's very big. That's basically yeah. what we do to my pipes as well. But we still need electricity. <laughs> so you don't have electricity right now to it? Well, no, I'm just saying if we go through another power outage or, you know, Fair the, enough. the yeah. electric company or grid people, you know, say, hey yeah <laughs> you know, th- there's not and that's Ericot. that's where we ran into the problems so we had two of the wells that weren't running 24 hours a day like they normally did mm-hmm. during that time frame um then we had an area that we lost power for about seven or eight hours overnight if the water's moving it's not going to freeze mm-hmm. which is pumping out into the room and then into the storage tank and then every couple hours it pumps water from the storage tank to the elevated tank to keep those at a certain level. That's why oceans and rivers don't freeze. Right. So, well, we had an issue with that one well site. And uh, so it didn't operate for a few hours overnight in the middle of the night. And then we went back the next day and we tried to uh, get the well running. And part of it was electricity to it. Once we got the electricity back on it, 
unfortunately the uh, the booster pump room which has some large booster pumps as big as this table mm -hmm. they did freeze they're concrete rooms we did have electrical heaters in there to keep the room warm but with no electricity yeah. we had no way to do that do you guys have exterior generators um that's one of the big issues that we're trying to work on okay um we only have generators at our sewer plant I and mean, we only have a generator at my shop to help run my uh my water control system mm -hmm. you know that way I, I can actually log on from my phone and the running joke unfortunately was i was playing skater crush for <laughs> hours you know moving water from here to there and, <laughs> i mean just constantly i was waking up every hour or so just manually moving water around trying to keep water in those towers because if we don't have water in the towers then we don't have enough water pressure throughout the city so mm. even though it was late friday right after everything started to thaw out we were able to get that one pump station back online so that helped we started filling our storage tanks up we had 50 or 60 homes that thawed out broken water lines we went to them as quick as we could to shut their water off for them but there were some that happened in the middle of the night mm -hmm. we lost more water there was people that were on vacation luckily a neighbor will call and say hey there's water coming out from that house so we would go out and shut that off so it was a domino yeah. effect yeah. yeah i guess uh i think the, to um, understand your role to, so that people don't get mad again people are always gonna get mad here's the thing people are always gonna get mad no matter what you do people are going to get mad but i think understanding roles like yours like the what you do helps people understand what it takes to do your job and to understand that you know it is resource allocation and sometimes you know cities like king it's it's tough for resource allocation or even even if you prepare for the best the situations that happened like last year is what once every 100 200 years something like that right something crazy um so that's why you know having you on the podcast explaining what you do your roles your responsibilities the stress that <laughs> that comes with this job how is that by the way <laughs> <laughs> it's up and down yeah <laughs> <laughs> we have our good days we have our bad days but i've always loved to challenge and uh, go at it headstrong I've always been, I spent uh, nine years in the military once I got out of high school. And thank I spent, you for your service. Uh, thank you. And then I spent 15 years working in the casino industry in in Nevada oh, wow. uh, in security. Interesting. So, so I've done a lot, worked in a lot of crazy, life-threatening situations. So I've always been good on my feet at, hey, this is not working. Let's do this. Let's go from A to B and C to D and change mm -hmm. it up and go jump right to z or mm -hmm. so well that's cool that's good to know because not very many people can do that um and I, i've with people i've worked with in the past uh i can tell who's been in those situations and who hasn't right. because if you lock up on plan a then there's no way to be able to overcome whatever obstacle it right. is. And I love that you said that. I love that you said that, you know, jumping, if you have to jump to E or if you have to jump straight to Z, right. at least you're working out things. Right. To get the best situation, the best uh, scenario here is to hopefully get to you where you've done enough planning to where, you know, plan B and plan C is immediately perfect or even plan A. Right. But we know that's not also all, always the uh, right. perfect well, world. Ever since this, and like the mayor mentioned in his uh, podcast <laughs> is that, uh, you know, the state and legislatures and everybody on down the line has been, along with the EPA and all of the other government regulations that we have to deal with, are, are trying to come up with emergency response plans, emergency preparedness plans. So we've been working with our engineers and unfortunately it takes a lot of money to 
not only have them help us design that program on the what if scenarios that may only happen once every hundred years, it takes money for emergency generators. If we had a a generator at each pump station and well site, you know, you're talking over a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand dollars just for that generator to sit there that you might need. So what we're looking at is uh, at the two well sites is try to get two permanent generators that are there always, just in case. And then we're looking at getting at least one mobile one that we can pull on a trailer and go from this well site for a couple hours and take it to that well site for a couple hours. If this ever happens again. I mean, I was like, I'll, I'll go, I'll go buy you a little Amazon generator, but that's not what you need. <laughs> no, a lot of these take, we have a couple of wells that take 2,400 volts just to run them. We had, all the rest of them take a minimum of 480 volts to run. So not only is it a lot, it's dangerous. Jeez, man, that's insane. So, but okay. it's, it's something we're working towards and it's just, uh, and there are some government grants out there right now that, uh, um, we've qualified for and it looks like we're going to get some money to help yeah. us with that but that takes time too you got to make sure you do it right and you have to make sure that uh, you're hiring the right people all the paperwork's been done right you actually paid this contractor and that subcontractor and and they follow osha rules they follow this rule and that rule and they're you know able and legal to work in the state and in the city so there's Jeez. there's a lot of well, what I like to hear is that you you, you guys hit a, a roadblock last year, a lot of issues that occurred, but you've had a lot of things implemented since last year. And since we're coming into this winter season, we don't know what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen change and I see how there's a lot of things that have uh, that y'all worked on to make sure that doesn't happen again. Now, granted, you're limited based on the people above you, like the state of Texas or, right. or God or the grid or whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, but I think people, the people of Keene do need to know that things have changed, that things have been implemented and that you have learned from other things that have occurred. And that's awesome. A lot of cities may not necessarily do that. Right. Yes. It's something. And I was, we were working our behinds off and we made it all the way through to the weather started getting better. There was other cities, local cities, Arlington, Dallas, all the big cities that have been without water for two or three days. Mm-hmm. So I was so proud <laughs> that we're almost through this and we made it. Well, Strong work. That's when Johnson County said, guess what? The lake pumps at all the lakes are frozen. We can't give you any more water. Hmm. Okay, great. Jeez. Well, thank you very much for your work. Um, I love that I get, I get to have you on because your role in the public works department is just as important, if not more important than any other department in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, granted, they all they all work together. They but do. They're, you know, they're I definitely all... don't want to like highlight one versus the other. But people Correct. don't know much about the public works department and how vital it is to everything. Right. So, anything else you want to say regarding what you do or the department before we wrap up? Um, maybe just a few things because I know a lot of a lot of the citizens and and the local public isn't aware. And some of those things are like uh, grease in your in your sewer line. You know, a lot of people, even even butter, you melt butter and it's in your pan and then you use hot water. It goes right down your sink because the hot water solidified it, made it liquid mm-hmm. and it goes down. Well, as soon as it hits that cooler water that's underground, it starts to solidify again. So most of our sewer backup problems that we have are related to what the public does. Hmm. there's a few that are old pipes they crack they move the ground shifts they weren't bedded with sand or gravel properly so when the ground shrinks and swells i mean that's a small percentage most of the problems that we go out on sewer backups are uh people think 
you know, baby wipes. No, no, no. <laughs> they wipes down the toilet. <laughs> they don't dissolve like toilet paper does. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it does that. Uh, unfortunately, you know, you got kids, they put dolls and rags and t-shirts and, and that, those cause problems. But the biggest thing is oh. we find a lot of stuff out at our what, sewer plant. I am kind of curious. What is the weirdest <laughs> thing you found inside? Um, I'd say most of it. I mean, we, we find, you know, bricks, two by fours, you bricks. Know, and that's usually from like a new construction site or something oh like gosh. that. They, they put the new sewer line in, it's tied into our main already. And then they start working on their house, but inside the house that's under construction, we get small pieces of wood. We get fiberglass insulation. I mean, there's that's a lot wild. of stuff. So, I mean, we have something at the very front of our uh, sewer plants that's designed to catch a lot of that stuff. So that helps. But the big thing that the public can help with is don't pour grease down the line. We, we get to, uh, to some manholes where, you know, three or four homes are backed up and it's, it's in our sewer main, which is our responsibility. And there'll be volleyball, softball sized balls of grease in these lines. Oh my goodness. It just all collects together. Now, so if one, if one house in a neighborhood, uh, say puts down a bunch of butter over a few months or grease and it clogs up, can it clog up? the rest of the houses in the yes. neighborhood yes it can interesting so and that's why you know it's it's tough i mean we're always trying to stay within budget i'm limited to, mm-hmm. to manpower and i i can't have 20 people in each department you know to do everything or billions of dollars to fix the streets and things of that nature but uh general maintenance ongoing constant maintenance is is tough right now being shorthanded because mm-hmm. it takes two men we have a sewer jetting machine that if we were able to say jet a thousand feet of line every week basically clean those lines out pull it down towards the sewer plant that would help with a lot of issues but when i don't have the manpower basically all we're doing now is going out to emergency type situations <laughs> my candle just went out <laughs> I started smoking i thought it was your equipment <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> So, you know, don't put grease down the toilets. Don't put anything down the toilets or sinks. Um, and again, a lot of people don't know this. They think, I didn't well, know that. Well, hey, I use hot water. It goes down. Well, it does. But as soon as it gets into the sewer system, that's the water's cool now. It's not mm. hot anymore. So it starts to solidify and it, it can get really bad. Wow. And we do have a chemical that we can put down there. But again, those it's like $1,500 for yeah. a 50 gallon bucket. And it takes manpower just to do that, you know? So once we get a problem, we have a couple of houses that are say, Hey, their sewer isn't working just right. And we'll go out and pull pull the manhole lids out, try to see where the blockage is and then attack it from usually the downstream side, try to pull it that way to the next one. And if we have to, then we'll use some of that, but it would be nice if I had enough manpower to where I could do an actual daily weekly monthly routine on that kind of stuff yeah and it's good to know i I, so. I knew not to put bacon you know grease down the sink and butter down the sink right. or whatever but i i it makes sense that you know if, if i do everything right but you know billy bob five houses down right doesn't then it can affect my water pressure and my it, back it, it can yes okay um, you know so the baby wipes and they they, they claim there's flushable wipes now don't do it no they don't they don't work <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, doesn't work. So and there's other little issues with the uh, uh, streets, even even mowing the lawn. You see people out here mowing the lawn, mm-hmm. they shoot that grass out into the street. Well, it's dangerous for motorcycles, especially. That, that grass is slippery. They come down the street and there's all this grass and whoop, they slip and fall and crash and burn. Who are they going to blame? They're going to blame the city. 
it leaves is the same thing. Um, you know, just edging behind your curb because once that grass starts to grow over the curb, it's going to find a tiny little crack and it's going to get under the street and it's going to damage the street. Mm. So, I mean, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you just want it to look pretty. Well, it does look pretty when it's edged and it looks nice, but it also prevents that grass from growing into the street and damaging the street. Hmm. Well, Don, thank you so much again. I really mm. appreciate all you do. And I uh, learned a lot. <laughs> Honestly, Thanks. I did. I could probably talk for another hour. But Dude, me I know too, man. Thank you very much for coming on, man. All right. Thank all right, you. Bye.